You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Kiss is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you, you can. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. Being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? To the show, shallow, shalalalalala. I don't know the rest of the words, but is, is, it, is it okay that we just not hear that song anymore now that it's one, like that best original song? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. Arguably, though, not even the best song on the entire soundtrack. <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Oscars since it just happened this, this, this past Sunday. But what was the best song on that was nominated, in your opinion? Oh, oh I, or, I don't no, necessarily mean nominated. On the, on the soundtrack. On the soundtrack. Oh, um, what was the best song? Star is Born. Yeah. Uh, I well, I mean, I think my favorite is uh, "Dig in Your Grave." It's, it's my favorite, but uh, there was one that like Bradley Cooper, I think, wrote and performed by himself, and I can't for the life of me remember the name, but it's really good too. Mm, that's, I mean, that's interesting. I I did watch. I watch. I finally got around to watching the movie because we talked about it for the last month. I think um, I had four movies left to watch. I think you had like seven of the eight to watch because you'd only seen black panther what a lot yeah um (laughs) i got in all four how many did you get in uh well i i ended up getting uh i think three uh so i I watched half of them right so you got you got four i'm I'm sorry i'm not giving you you had actually seen two of them before that because you saw black panther and a a star is born right yeah Yeah, so so then you saw two more you which two did you see um, I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, and unfortunately, <laughs> I'm the favorite. <laughs> oh man! So, um, uh, going into the the Oscars the day of, people were asking me like, what what I thought was going to win, or what did I want to win? And I definitely had two different two different answers. I thought. I, I wanted Green Book to win because of the eight movies that I saw, I thought that one was the best. I I mean, I enjoyed it the most, I should say. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, that's not, I mean, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I really enjoy Black Panther. I think Black Panther is a great fucking movie. Does it belong in Best Picture? Nah, probably not, but it's still a great <laughs> movie. Now, to get to the serious ones, <laughs> uh, I thought I thought Green Book was great. I loved it. Now... Going into Green Book, I I knew about I guess one of the controversies behind that that movie. I didn't know that there was a whole slew more, so uh, that didn't influence my opinion on the movie. But then, uh, what movie I thought was going to win? I really thought that Black Klansman was going to win. I thought it had a message. It had the you know based on a true story um, gimmick, and then it had a great director, and it had. A uh, really great cast, and you know, it was it was it was just a good movie. So I thought Black Klansman was going to win. Um, Black Klansman ends up winning for best adapted screenplay, I believe. Uh, something like that. Let yeah. me let me let me scroll through here real quick just to. It definitely sure. did win an award because I remember watching Spike Lee go up and and uh, accept the Oscar. He sure did. Yeah, yeah, best best writing and adapted screenplay, Black Klansman, okay. written by Charlie Wachtel and David Rambo Watts and Kevin Wilmot and Spike Lee. Spike Lee's nice. the one who went up there and 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 gave his speech. Um, yep. I'm assuming because um, I mean, even when he was giving his speech, in the words that he was saying, I was like, oh, he definitely does not think he's going to win Best Picture. 
So he's getting it all out right now. Like best picture, was he also nominated for best director? Uh, you know, I don't remember. I don't remember if he was nominated for director. I mean, it's I feel like he might have been, but I really don't recall. Yeah, yeah, he was also nominated for best directing. Um, best directing, however, did go to Alfonso Cuarón for Roma. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he was giving his speech during. During that one, I was like, "Oh, he he definitely doesn't think that he's going to win for best directing or best best picture," which is unfortunate. I did think it was a, it was a good option, but um, yeah, it ended up going to Green Book, which, like I said, I really enjoyed that movie. I thought it was a it was a good uh, a good movie that you know really shows two people like bonding over a common enemy and uh, you know that 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 road trip kind of, you know, we're stuck in a place together. So we end up becoming really good friends. Now, do you know about all the controversies behind this? I do not. So let me inform you. Green book. Should I put on my slightly larger glasses? You might want to put on your slightly larger glasses. Um, Okay. So the one thing I knew about it was that coming out after the movie came out, um, the family of Dr. Don Shirley, came out Mm -hmm. and said that there was a lot of inaccuracies like um the way they portrayed him and and stuff like that was not not true not true to it and you can find all this stuff online so then after green book one i just saw on twitter like people were just going like this is a trap you know this is terrible you know why would this this movie win blah blah you know like this is you know this this is wrong this is hollywood doing doing something wrong again and and so I, I I finally reached out to someone on Twitter and I was like I don't I don't quite understand and I'm sorry for my ignorance but why is it that it's not okay that Green Book won mm-hmm. and you know this is Twitter this is you know the masses the people and stuff like that so you have to take whatever you read with a grain of salt and do your own research so sure. I was I was directed into I was directed to Google said you should Google it basically is what I was told. <laughs> So I went and googled it, and yeah, I mean, okay. So the main one of the main character of the two main characters, you know, there's Doctor Don Shirley and there's uh, Lip Valalonga. I'm probably mm-hmm. I'm a bit butchering that last name. Uh, Lip's son Nick is the one who wrote the movie, and okay. he is one of the people that when President Trump. Uh, was running for election, presidential tra- mm-hmm. election. Mm-hmm. You know, the pres- I don't remember if you remember this, but the president said that on 9-11, there were Muslim people on rooftops in New Jersey just cheering when the towers came down. And uh, Nick is one of the people that was on Twitter saying that he saw this. He saw the people, the Muslims on, on rooftops cheering when the towers went down. Um, okay. Yeah, which is... Not true. It's all come out that that never happened. There was no such thing. Um, and so he has since apologized. He's like, yeah, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said something like that. Okay, so that's there's a strike. Um, the director is Peter Farrelly of, of the Farrelly Brothers. So back when Peter Farrelly was making movies, uh, or before, and the, the example that comes up a lot is uh, there's something about Mary. He would expose himself to cast and crew, including Cameron Diaz. So he'd like his his penis would be f- flopping out and you know being inappropriate. Okay. So, so and since then he has also apologized for that. Uh, I believe there's one more controversy, and I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot of things that 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 are just not good uh about about the people that made the, you know at the top that made these movies mm-hmm. and it just i mean i i don't know how i feel i mean i still like the movie i thought it was a great movie um yeah and i feel bad for all the people that like the crew that were around to make the movie and they have to deal with you know the fact that the people at the top were kind of terrible, but sure. it's, I, I guess, I don't know. It's neither here nor there at this point. They won. They, you know, they got their, they got their Oscar. So I, how do you feel about all that? Well, I, you know, I don't, 
I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things that we I, I like we always go back to when I think we have these conversations and and I think it's at what point should the art and the artist be separated and more specifically in in like this type of environment because it's not a situation where you just have one person that's making a painting and then you're selling a painting. You right. know what I mean? Like right. there are literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of jobs. Like the last movie I just watched, or not the, maybe the last movie, but there was a movie that I just recently watched that after the credits rolled, there was like a thing that popped up and it was like, you know, the the filming of this movie created 30,000 new jobs. And you're like looking at that and you're like, wow, like 30,000 people worked on this movie in some format or fashion. And it's just really difficult for me, especially because, uh, you know, uh, you've worked on film projects, I've worked on film projects, and, like, they've been small projects, but even then, like, you look at how many people it's take, uh, it, you know, how many people have come together to make that project come to life, and to, to throw that whole film under the bus for, you know, essentially one to a handful of people doing things that aren't acceptable like it's it's really difficult for me to to do that you know what i mean like it's really difficult for me to just look at at a movie and be like oh one person or a handful of people in this movie did something that's not great the whole movie's just garbage and should be you know blacklisted or whatever like i don't know it's really difficult for me so i remember what the 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 last thing was was that the the content of the movie is um, is people say that it um, borders on white savior uh, complex or stereo or not stereotype, but a uh, uh, story trope. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, the, the idea that um, Lip Valalonga or um, Viggo Mortensen's character comes in and teaches Dr. Don Shirley how to be more black, so to speak, or something like that. I mean, I guess there's an argument for that, but I would also say that in the movie, if you watch it, Dr. Don Shirley teaches um, Lip Valonga how to be more sensitive and how to talk to his wife and stuff like that. Like, these literal scenes where he's teaching him how to, how to write a, a lo- like writing a love letter to his wife that's back home. So, I, to me, it seems like, it, to me, it seemed more like the two of them were learning from each other, but... I, mm-hmm. I get it. I mean, once again, I can't talk to that minority stereotype or archetype or a story trope because it doesn't pertain to me. Sure. Um, yeah, uh, I'm right there with you about like, yeah, there's a lot of people that, that you know, went into making that movie. So that it's they deserve all the praise that they deserve because, you know, they made the thing. Um, I had the same issue last year or two years ago, depending on how you want it. It's basically just over a year when um, The Greatest Showman came out. Like, I love that movie. But um, was it uh, P.T. Barnum was a horrible person in real life. So where do, where, I mean, where do you stand? Did you, can I just be like, oh, well, I love Hugh Jackman as P.T. Barnum. I don't need to, the actual P.T. Barnum like kind of thing. Well, I mean, not only that, but I mean, like, my God, when was the last time... That had any sort of relevance, period. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like Barnum's. But, you know, I mean, that guy's been dead for forever, right. and you know, you're also talking about something that happened like significantly in the past. And I think there does need to be some sort of context to the time period. You know what I mean? It's it, we kind of talked on that uh, briefly in one of the other you know previous episodes but like it it, it's true i mean there definitely has to be some degree of context to to the time you know as as well i mean i think it's kind of like you're gonna go blacklist a a movie and boycott a movie that uh that you know people that were realistically involved with have been dead for hundreds of years and it's like there you know like what good is that really doing you know like what is really coming out of that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's, I, I hope you do at, at some point in this year, get to watch this movie just so I can get your opinion on it. But, um, we'll just, we'll just leave it at that for, so sure. to speak. Um, let's see some of the other movies that, uh, were, were nominated for best picture. Uh, let's talk about, well, 
I let's I will talk about Roma since you didn't watch it. Okay. Look, Alfonso Cuarón. Everybody loves him. Me, I am not the biggest fan. Like, there's not a lot of his movies that I really particularly enjoy. Watching this movie, and maybe this is just the where where I'm at in my life right now, but it was so slow paced, and I have a problem. And I know it's it's solely me. This movie, everything, essentially everything about this movie was just not for me, because it's also shot in black and white. And I get it. Like people tend to like things that are shot in black and white. They give it more gravitas. They they so some seem to think. To me, I feel like you're really narrowing your field and not not letting yourself use all the tools at your uh, disposal by not having color, but. That's the decision that he decided to make. And this was in this the the subject of this movie to me was also another thing that I felt was super apparent in a lot of movies this year that you're stating something that's super obvious. Like you're you're not giving me anything that's revolutionary, I guess so to speak. Um cuz this I had the same problem with this movie as I did with Vice and The Favorite. Like not so not so much the exact like same problem but like this the problem that's in this is so well then what's i mean i don't i don't understand what you're trying to tell me kind of thing so mm-hmm. in roma like you're following this family that also has a housekeeper maid babysitter nanny lady right and okay. the, essentially what we're the story that we're seeing is the the rich people and the help and it's like, well, you know, it's all, it's not giving me anything of like, oh, you know, these, look how their lives are, are so similar, but you know, they're, they're, it's just, it's just like, Hey, here's the help. And here's the, the rich people. That's literally all it is to me. And the black and white and the two and a half hours that the movie is just, oh my, I, I, I'm sorry. I just did not enjoy it. I, you know, and, and if you want to crucify me, then crucify me. But I, that that's my opinion. I know you didn't. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's say, fair, though. You know. <laughs> yeah, as I say, I know you didn't watch it, but uh, I mean, do you have any opinions on that? How do you feel about black and white shooting? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I I don't have a problem with it, um, and and I don't know if that just comes from a fact of like I love classic films as well like a lot of the movies that i like one of my favorite movies of all times is ingmar bergman's the seventh seal which is you know not in color and seven samurai and so i mean like i don't know i i I think i have more of an affinity for or maybe not an affinity but more of an acceptance of of shooting in black and white you know what i mean but i see um see i feel like those movies those movies had to be shot in black and white as opposed to this one yes I mean, yes, they they did have to be, but I think that nowadays, I, I you know, to me, I have a feeling that he's making a, a conscious choice to film it in black and white because for him, I think there's, you know, kind of a link to it being something historic, and I, I think that's just a way of kind of creating a cinematic language uh, for him, you know, in this particular movie. I don't think, you know, I don't think it's necessary that like every movie is going to go out and need to be shot in black and white. I think that there are certain films that could be hurt by shooting it in black and white. And I think there's other stories that it, you know, could potentially have a a greater impact on. I think a lot of it to me, I I don't know. The thing that I always think of is, you know, using everything that you have to make your vision come to life. And like, if that's the way that he sees the film, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I can understand that. I don't really have a problem with it. But, you know, again, it's it's different things for different people, too. You know what I mean? Like, not everybody's into the same types of movie. I mean, like, think about how many people won't even watch, like, a foreign film just because it's, like, subtitled. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's far-fetched to think that there's a group of people that are also potentially going to be turned off from it being in black and white. Uh, but I, I don't think it's... I don't think it's the people that would watch that movie that are really going to be turned off by that in the most part. Anyhow, though, because it's not really like a mainstream film either. You know what I mean? Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, no, no, that makes complete sense. Let me, let me talk to you about this though. Okay. What, I mean, how did you feel about the fact that it was both 
nominated for Best Picture and Best Foreign Language Film, which it did win. Uh, again, I, you know, I don't really see a problem with that. To me, um, it, it speaks a lot more of the films that we had come out last year. Um, it, I don't know. It's so funny because like most everyone I talked to, like there wasn't really anybody that was like, oh, there was a, a bunch of movies that I was really rushing out to see in the theater this year. And, you know, it's weird because I think about years prior to that, and I feel like we've had just a lot of really strong films in contention for Oscars in the past few years. Uh, and this year, I don't I don't know. It felt really kind of lackluster and dry. So I guess if it had been last year, I, I probably would have been a little bit more surprised by it. But with, with the movies that were out this year, I'm... I'm really honestly not that shocked. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the, I would say that I am part of the problem with that because the only movies that are getting made are big tent pulled films, right? I mean, for the most part yeah. um, in the theater, which are great. They're great to go watch in the movie theater. They're great for popcorn and, and, and sitting down and, and, you know, talking about and stuff like that. But they're not, they're not best pictures. They're not <laughs> award winners so to speak. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I know I'm, I'm sounding fucking uppity and, and stuff at this point, but, um, I think that's kind of why we didn't get, we don't, the, the, the category itself was pretty lackluster because the movies are just kind of lackluster. If you take out the big tent pole franchise films, uh, I mean, it's certainly, it's certainly f- feels that way you know what i mean like i i, I don't know I, I even even without i guess having like the the huge mega blockbusters like i don't know even just looking at like i don't know what was it last year or whatever it, it just seemed like there was just way more films that came out that people were interested in and people were talking about and were excited for and especially like movies that traditionally you would constitute as like Oscar bait movies Mm -hmm. it just seemed like there was substantially more of them last year than there was this year and that you know I don't know maybe that's short-sighted on on my part but it, it feels that way to me at least so well we can just we can hope that we get some better movies this year <laughs> uh yeah i you know I, it it's it goes in cycles right like i i don't think it's like we can expect every year to just have like tons of of great movies but i you know i feel like we'll probably get some pretty good stuff this year and hopefully we you know, like hopefully like you said hopefully we do get some more options um vice was the movie about um vice president or former vice president don cheney Portrayed by Christian Bale, you know, also starring, um, oh man, what's her name? Amy Adams. Amy Adams. And uh, directed by Adam McKay. Um, I talked about this last time we we talked because I had watched it as part of, I think it was the first movie on my 365 movie challenge. It might be the first movie or the second movie, I don't remember. But um, yeah, it was I I I enjoyed the movie for the first for the most part. But like I said, it's 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 not giving me anything revolutionary because yeah, Dick Cheney's kind of a terrible person. He was he was our vice president for two terms. He did a lot of shady shit because he felt he knew what was best for the country, also what was best for him. And the movie just really centers on him and like beats you down with it like oh he's yeah this is terrible what he did here was terrible what he did also was terrible kind of thing um Mm -hmm. it wasn't like adam mckay's last political movie of the big short which i i absolutely loved because that was more of a look what happened what what happened to our our economy because of you know these certain people and this was more focused on one person and it just felt you know, like terrible, you know, am I making sense there? Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Okay. Um, I've heard that from a a number of people also. Really? I don't think that's just, yeah, I don't think that is just you. I have heard that from a a few different people that I've talked to about the movie that they, (coughs) Oh my God, sorry. (coughs) That they felt like the same, the same way, you know? 
Good, good. I'm glad I wasn't the only one then. Uh, Black Klansman is the is the other movie that you you didn't have a chance to see. Um, directed by Spike Lee, starring um, uh, Denzel Washington, John Washington, um, and uh, Adam Driver, and then Tover, Topher Grace is Klansman leader David Duke. I like and th- the reason why I, I really felt like this one was going to win because I just felt like the cast was really there. Like it was, they were really present in these characters. Uh, the the back and forth between Adam Driver's character and John Washington's character, I believe it's John mm-hmm. Washington. I know it's Washington, obviously, but uh, like they were great. Like their back and forth was amazing. Um, and then to just know that this was a true story, and the or at least based on a true story, and you know these are the things that happened. That there was this guy that existed that was uh, African American that um, you know infiltrated the Klan and then used his uh, Jewish officer buddy to or fellow officer I shouldn't say buddy fellow officer to portray him in person when they when he actually went to go to the the meetings and stuff like the two of them came together to 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 stop this in their this little town kind of thing it was great it's it just I, I don't know all, all around good movie uh, i didn't know that jordan peele was a producer on the movie um so that was interesting but yeah yeah that's pretty crazy yeah um really good movie so i hope you also get a chance to watch that um so black panther i mean i'm sure we talked about that when it first came out it's uh, to mm-hmm. me it's one of the better uh marvel movies i i kind of like all the marvel movies though um i thought it was i i think it's it was the way it looked i thought you know the cast was amazing i thought uh the writing was great and brian coogler just does an amazing job all around do i think it's revolutionary no i mean it like the way that they portray this lost fictional uh, country of Wakanda is cool. But I mean, how does that help people in real life? But then again, that gets to the whole, uh, do you feel represented on the screen kind of thing? Like we talked, we definitely went into depth about talking about that. And I, I gave my explanation of, look, you shouldn't be looking for yourself in the screen. You should be looking for what you can take from the screen. Like, I feel like you should be inspired by anybody you see on the screen, not, uh, fault it because they don't look like you skin tone or gender or whatever. But mm-hmm. once again, I am a half white straight male. So I might not have the best opinion on that. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I, yeah, it's always tough, right? Like I, I get representation and you definitely want that, but I, I also do think you, you should try to, take in and and put that aside from time to time but it's tough because there definitely is a problem with with not having enough like diversity in film so you know it's it's one of those things where i I totally get it and i understand why so many people like you know want to be represented and and want those sorts of things and i do think we need that too you know yeah no i mean like i said i am all for representation i'm just saying that i feel people should aspire to be the good in everybody instead of just trying to find the people that look like them. Anyways. Uh, oh, did you have some opinions on black Panther though? Other than the political ones? I mean, no, we, we talked about it on the podcast and I mean, honestly, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, it's tough. Cause I, I like so many things about that movie, but there's, there's so many other things that I, I really didn't enjoy. Um, I, I, I don't know. To me, the biggest thing for it was always like, I just wish it would have been more about like uh, T'Challa, like the black Panther specifically, and like, not really kind of this almost ensemble cast type of situation, you know, like, I just felt like that really detracted from it a lot for me. And, um, it is what it is though, you know, like I, I hope they do another one. You know what I mean? I, I hope they do some more black Panther films. Cause I think the character, uh, is, is cool, you know, but I just don't think that they dialed in on the character as much as I would have liked, you know, it felt more like a piece that was really setting 
things up for other films in the Marvel franchise than being kind of self-sufficiently contained, if that makes sense. No, that, that makes complete sense. So, uh, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, we know that we're getting a Black Panther 2. What is it going to look like? We don't know at this moment because in-game hasn't come out yet and we don't exactly know what's happening with uh, characters coming back or not coming back. Mm-hmm. But I do think that Marvel itself is falling into this black hole, or not black hole, but this um, rabbit hole of um, that's going to be a little dangerous. Because the one thing that they they seem to be doing since Civil War is they're they're definitely trying to give you this sympathetic villain over and over, like um, mm-hmm. uh, Baron Zemo or Zemo from Civil War. Uh, Killmonger from Black Panther and then Thanos from uh, Infinity War. Like, they all have this backstory of I've had loss, I'm taking it out on the heroes, or I'm taking it out on the galaxy, or I'm taking it out on the country that left me behind kind of thing. And mm-hmm. you you as an audience member are supposed to feel for that. You're supposed to be like, well, I kind of see where they're pro- coming from. And I think that there's only going to be so many times you can go to that well before it's no longer... Um, hard hitting, I guess, or effective is a better uh, word for it. Yeah, I think eventually you're gonna probably get get bored of it, right? To me, the the best, or not the best, but one of the best villains in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even if they don't want to admit that the Netflix shows are um, part of it, is is the Purple Man from Jessica Jones season one, like David mm-hmm. Tennant's Purple Man, Kilgrave. He's evil. He's straight up evil. He doesn't want to conquer the world. He just wants to conquer your world. He wants to take control of you and he wants him to be everything to you. He wants to be your whole world kind of thing. And like that is just straight up evil. There's no backstory there of him, you know, as a child being picked on or anything like that. Um, it's just like he he has this power. He knows that what he wants to he uses it completely shellfish and and you know that that's a bad guy kind of thing mm-hmm. so i'm gonna be interested in seeing where they go from here with mcu movies because you know what's gonna happen uh, which way are they gonna fall with you know are we gonna get more diverse villains because that's kind of what makes up these movies at this point is you know how does the hero interact with the villain kind of thing so yeah, I, I think I think you're right, you know, and I, I mean, I don't know, like, it's always interesting, too, because it just feels like eventually somewhere in here, like, people are going to grow slightly tired of seeing comic book movie after comic book. I mean, like, they're only going to be able to dominate the market for so long, I would imagine, before people just generally kind of want to see some other stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where they actually do try to go and what they how do they try to sustain this this, you know, um, I don't want to call it a fad, but kind of this trend that they have going for the last 10 years, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, let's talk about the favorite. <laughs> Come to find out that we both did not like this movie. Yep. <laughs> now, yep. <laughs> Olivia Coleman, who plays Queen Virginia? I don't know. The don't, queen. Yeah, the queen in the movie. I forget which one. Um she does she does end up winning best uh performance by a lead actress in the movie. Um my, meanwhile, Rachel Weiss and why am I just blanking on Emma names? Stone. Emma Stone, thank you. We're both nominated for supporting actress. Uh they didn't win. Ended up going to Regina King, King or mm-hmm. Hall? I always forget which one is which, and that sounds racist. Race, racist, but I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> supporting actress and supporting role, Regina King. Yeah, uh, for if Beale Street could talk. Um, this movie, once again, you're sitting there telling me that. Okay, so I want to say that I don't have a problem with period piece movies. But sure. I don't. I don't want period piece movies to just be like, "Hey, this is exactly what it was." I want some romanticized. I'm watching a movie. I want you know, 
I want things to be look to look a little better. Like I don't need the fact that there's you know uh, people having duck races or I don't know this this movie. <laughs> Was, I don't. I don't. I. I feel like I don't know. And you can tell me if I'm off base here. I. I. To me, the like that stuff's fine. Like whatever you know. But it's the way in which it's done that it just becomes extremely, extremely boring. And one of the things that I always go back to was like a a thing that David Lynch said in the fact that audiences don't have to like your movie they don't even have to know what's going on they don't have to understand it they simply just can't be bored (laughs) and like that's the biggest problem with this movie is there's literally it's it's over two hours long which is not in and of itself a bad thing but it's two hours and something long that has no payoff that has nothing happen and by the time you get to the end of it you're kind of really just upset that like you spent two hours waiting for something to occur and it just doesn't yes for the two of us that's exactly true like it's it's you're following these three characters and you don't care about any three of them like i a fucking meteor could have hit and that would have been more satisfactory for me at that time watching this movie than if than what actually happens at the end of this movie i mean yeah <laughs> i mean i i don't know it's it's really weird and the funny thing about this too is that like i didn't really know anything about this movie going into it so it's not like it was overhyped or anything where i was like oh okay like you know um somebody talked to this movie up and it's not living up to these expectations like i literally went into this movie i think i had only seen one trailer for it one time um and I literally started watching it and I was like, okay. And then like, I don't know. It totally surprised me that it was even up for cinematography and stuff too, because there's so many times in the film where they have these, these fisheye lens shots (laughs) and it's so jarring. It immediately took me out of what little I was even invested in the movie. It instantly just pulled me out and I was like, what? And to me at least, and I don't know, maybe again, maybe this is just not for me and maybe I'm, I'm being short sighted, but, I did not see any reason that that was like motivated by the story or situations or anything to where that was like at all necessary desired or necessary. Yeah. And, and you know, sometimes that's fine. It's not like you have to follow all the rules in every single movie, but I do think you need to have an, a, a reason for it. Even if it's a reason that only exists within your film, if you've created some sort of cinematic language for your piece, that's fine, but like the times that it's in there is so random that it, it to me just really doesn't feel at all necessary. So, and like you said, like there's no character that you're gonna really care for. They're all just really kind of shitty people, yep. and um, I, I don't know. It's just, and then nothing happens on top of it, and there and there's um. Uh, even a, a specific scene that uh, takes place, and I think this happens more than once in the film, where there's like a shot, and it's like a, a profile shot of Emma Stone's face, and we just sit there on that shot for like three minutes. Uh, it, maybe it's not three minutes, but it sure as hell <laughs> feels, feels like, like a lifetime. <laughs> and you're just like, why? Like there, this is completely useless. There is there is no reason to do this and I, I i don't know it it did not land with me clearly and uh i i just i i've only really heard from a couple of people that they enjoyed the movie and one uh individual said they liked it because it made them feel uncomfortable and they liked the way that it shot which i was like okay i mean i, I don't really to me there was nothing uncomfortable in the movie and i you know, it, it's hard for me to identify what you liked about the way it was shot because I didn't like that, but to each their own. And then uh, someone else told me, like, oh, I liked it because it was really funny. <sighs> and I was like, what? What movie were you like, watching? What? Yeah, I was like, wait, we're talking the favorite with Emma Stone, right? Like, I don't I, I just I don't know. Like, it just completely did not land with me for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe I'm the problem in this particular case. I don't know. But I did not care for well, it at all. If, if you're the problem, then I'm the problem because yeah, it, it this movie didn't land with me either. Uh, I'm glad you brought up that fish eye thing because every time it did it, I, it totally took me out of the movie too. And I'm just like, what? What are we doing here? The only thing I could think of is that they instead of building sets for this movie, did they 
did they happen to shoot in an actual castle somewhere? And then the room, like the rooms are just so small that they couldn't get good angles. So they had to use fisheye so they can get the whole room in there kind of thing. Or the opposite, the room is so big. I don't, even then I just, I don't really see a big reason that that would be because I mean that hallway shot is one that comes to mind and they're kind of in the center and it's like, yeah, they're trying to get the entire hallway, but I mean, do you really need that? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't, I don't think that you need that in order to tell the story that you were, I guess, trying to tell. I don't, it, it really, to me, just felt more like somebody trying to uh, do like an experimental film or, you know, like, Hey, I don't really want to make this movie or tell this story, but I have to. So I'm just going to do some weird kooky stuff, uh, just for the sake of doing it. Like I didn't really I don't really see any sort of of reason to do it. It's very just strange to me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh it and the only thing like I didn't I never felt uncomfortable in the movie either. The only thing I thought one of the things so it's like when the first the introduction to Emma Stone's character, she's in that carriage with the you know, it's crowded and there's a whole bunch of people in there. And then the dude that's sitting right across her just starts masturbating right in front of her. Like maybe that is a thing that just happened back in those times. It's like, do you really need to show it to me? Like, did, did it help the story at all? Her getting pushed out, well, pushed out I mean, of it the. Sounds, well, it sounds saying, like it's still happening today. To be well, honest. I guess that's true. You're absolutely right. But like, her getting pushed out into the mud, well, mud and horse shit or whatever it ended up being, like, it wasn't. Or actually, I think they proclaim in the movie that the peasants just, or peasants or the villagers or whoever just drop trow and shit right in the middle of the street because they're protesting against the queen anyways. Look, it, it I get it. It's it's bad. Times are bad. If you're not uh, a noble person or in the queen's court or whatever that Rachel Vice is uh, to the queen, like you don't you don't have a good life. Well, guess what? We kind of know that we know that people don't have a good life and that they had, unless they had all the money. Once again, this is what I was talking about. It's like, you're not giving me anything that's revolutionary. You're not telling me a story. You're just showing me something kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, like I said, I was, I, I was very bored and it just really didn't seem like there was any reason to have this movie like i i have a hard time finding any sort of redeeming and i hate that because i I genuinely try to find something in every movie that i like but i just don't know what it is in this film yeah same uh a star is born i watched this movie you watched this movie I did. Well, just I mean, don't not getting into it too much what was your overall feeling for this movie did you enjoy it did you not enjoy it you know, uh, and this is a, almost the exact opposite of of the favorite. Like, I did go into this with uh, a, a fair amount of hype because so many people like were coming out and blowing this movie up. So many people were were talking about this movie. Like, I guess they had seen it at Sundance or something like that. And there was like a ton of celebrities that were coming out and saying like, "Oh, like this movie just stays with you. It blew me away." You know, da 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 da. And like, it is a good movie. It's a very good movie. I enjoyed it, but I I don't know if it got overhyped for me or what have you, but I, I was not blown away by it. And, uh, one of the biggest things that, that kind of also hurt me, and this is uh, unique to me because uh, again, nobody else is going to have this problem. I don't think Bradley Cooper just looked so much like, um, Andrew Lincoln from the walking dead (laughs) in this, that I literally kept just waiting for him to start slaughtering zombies and yelling (laughs) for Carl, um, which is, is not a problem with the movie at all. That's 100% a me problem. But, um, but yeah, it's good, but it it didn't blow me away, you know. So, uh, once again, the only thing that really blew me away in this movie was the fact that this was Bradley Cooper's debut directing, you know, movie. Like, I think mm-hmm. that aspect of it was was great. I thought like he did like the movie looks really good. They got great performances out of uh, the actors. Movie itself, mm-hmm. I I didn't care for it. Like one of the things that. I always have a huge problem with when I'm watching a movie is when something is too heavily foreshadowed to the point mm-hmm. where I just don't give a fuck at the end. And yeah, at the, in this movie does it like the first scene 
you have with Bradley Cooper, and spoilers for anybody that hasn't watched it yet, sorry, but the first scene is the 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 nooses in the sign, you know, as he's pulling mm-hmm. up in the car. It's like, oh, well, I mean, okay, so maybe... I, it's my fault because I haven't watched the three other movies that came before this one of the same story, but I didn't know until that point that he's going to kill himself. I was like, Oh, well obviously he's going to die. Like kind of thing like this. That's like, that's terrible. Why would you do that? Why would it be so heavy handed like that? Maybe that's, that's part of Bradley Cooper's directing and you know, maybe that's his, you know, naivety of being a director, but I, I was so not okay with this movie. Um, once again, I also just don't like that song, which it's been all over the radio since this movie came out. And that's obviously that's not their fault. It's my fault for hearing the radio or what have you. But yeah, I just uh, I, I I don't know. It, it's the movie catch get, grabs a hold of me at some points, but then at other points, like it really loses me. It's just like. You're telling the story of this this woman that falls in love with this man who is so, from point one when she meets him, is so self-destructive, is so terrible for himself and for her, but, you know, what does she do about it? She doesn't, I mean, she, she she's, she's obviously living her life, but you can't, to me, you can't, um, you can't. You can't not expect to what happened happens or what happens not to happen if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Like he he's just a, a not a, a healthy dude. I don't know. I I don't know how to put it. I mean I, I yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I I think there's also that like argumentative standpoint that like love is blind and that, you know, unfortunately sometimes it's most times actually it's it's so much easier for someone on the outside to kind of come to those conclusions than someone that's caught up in the moment type of thing, you know? Maybe. And and that's just I mean, but then that's to me I've also feel like we're perpetuating this story of, you know, the, the love at first sight. Maybe this is just me as the jaded person who, who hasn't found <laughs> love in their life yet, but the whole love at first sight. And I mean, they, they run off together and all that nonsense. It's just like, uh, you're perpetuating this thing that makes people believe that this is going to happen to them kind of stuff. Even, okay. So even, um, Lady Gaga's acceptance speech when she wins for best, uh, original song, um, mm-hmm. she gets up there and she says, you know, I want everybody to know that this is really hard work. Um, you know, I've worked a really long time for this. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, I've, I've put in a lot of time, a lot of, uh, study, you know, I've done so much to get to this point in my career, blah, blah, you know, which is great. Yeah, she has, she has put in all this work that is not portrayed in her character in this movie though. The, the movie is a romanticized, you know, f- uh, fantasy of uh, someone is going to walk into a bar hearing you hear you sing and then just give you all the fame and fortune that you've ever wanted. Like her character, Allie, isn't does isn't putting in the paying her dues kind of thing. She's singing at a, a drag bar. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me that. That I that's the thing that that upsets me more is that uh, if you keep putting this out there for young people to see, that's what they are always going to believe is what is supposed to happen. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Okay, so do you have anything to say about what I said, or anything more you want to say about Stars Born? Um, uh, no. I mean, I I think you're I think you're. You know, I think you covered it pretty well. <laughs> uh, the last movie on the list is Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, I absolutely enjoyed this movie. Um, but then again, you have, I think you, I feel like you have great music that you're, you're really playing off the audience. Uh, the performances by everybody. What's, I, I think I said this to you before is that Rami Malik to me just always seems awkward and I don't know mm-hmm. if, if Fred Freddie Mercury was awkward or not, but in the movie he comes off as awkward because Rami Malek is so off- awkward. But that's just that maybe that's just me. I you know I liked the dynamic between the the band in the movie. 
uh, whether or not, whether when they were getting along or not getting along. And uh, it, it's, you know, it's all, it's songs that I grew up to. So it's, it's part of the nostalgia that really fed into me liking this movie. Does it deserve to be best picture? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, again, I, I think if this had come out last year, I I think it would be a very different situation. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, it's a, it's a decent enough movie. I mean, I enjoyed it, but yeah, I think again, I think any other year and this would have not been in the contention nominated. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, there was also the controversy behind this because it was half directed by Brian Singer before he was kicked off by Fox, I want to say. Um, the di- director that stepped in is the one that is also directing Rocket Man, the biopic about Elton John with Taron Edgerton uh, as the star. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't. I, th- I know his last name is uh, Fleischer, but I can't remember what his first name is. Um, how do you feel? Do you feel like that at all played into why Bohemian's Rhapsody might not have won? Uh, I don't, I mean, I really don't know. It's, it's extremely tough to say. Um, uh, I don't know. It's crazy because I mean, you hear all this stuff where it's like, oh, well, this stuff comes out, but you know, it's, it's all paid for or it's campaigned and, um there was like an article i read one time where it was something astronomical like a very large percentage of the people that voted like had had claimed that they didn't even watch the movies that they were voting on so wow um yeah i don't know you know well one thing i do want to talk about because it's something that i never knew about but i've heard a lot in this following week since the oscars uh on podcasts and and other things as such is is called the preferential ballot i think is what it's called um Mm -hmm. the idea that you vote not as the academy as an academy member and i i know nothing about being an academy member i'm not one i don't know anybody personally that is one i've only heard through other sources about what it is so from what i understand is you vote on what movies you believe are like number one number two number three all the way to eight i guess um, mm-hmm. in, in that order for best picture. And so like if everybody, so what they're thinking is that like everybody put green book at number three, right. And black Panther maybe say your, your ballot said black Panther, number one, black clans number two, green book, number three kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, if the majority of number ones isn't, the number one movie, I guess. I don't know how to say this. Essentially, that it's 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 it becomes um, that the the movie has to have more than fifty one percent of being liked mm-hmm. to win the Oscar, if that makes sense. So, um, say you have eight movies, right? It, what's 100 divided by 8? Uh, 16? Something like that? Because 4 is uh, 25, so 20, 12 and a half. So yeah, if, each one, and a half. if each movie got the same amount of votes, then you would have every movie getting uh, 21, or 12 and a half percent of the votes. So if maybe one of those movies just did a little bit better, say, you know, Black Klansman did... 13% of the votes, then that means only 13% of the Academy voted for Black Klansmen to be uh, the best picture. And that wouldn't be right because that's a very minuscule amount of the the Academy, right? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? So this yeah. way, if you put it in an order, it's whatever, like whatever has the highest score is the one that wins if that i don't know i don't i'm not explaining it right but in my head it makes sense yeah i mean i think it's i think it's pretty complex but i think the thing to to just basically take away and keep in mind from that is that this is not actually like winning the award is not actually like 
a quantification of the merit of the actual film. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of other outside factors that are, are coming into play when it, when it deals with that. Okay. Yeah. Does so, that make sense? No, no, that does. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. So, um, yeah. I mean, did you have anything else you wanted to state about the best picture category uh, that we haven't already said? No, I think, I think we Let's, uh, covered it pretty well. Let's just go over some winners real quick. Um, Let's see. Best uh, original screenplay went to Green Book. Best adapted screenplay went to Black Klansman. Best visual effects went to First Man. Which, like when I was watching that category, I, I, I to me it was be, it was probably going to be, be uh, like I remember First Man. I was like, yeah, that's going to be make, that's probably going to make it because if you can make people believe that they're on the moon, it's a lot more of a um, uh, achievement than making people believe they're on. The, the that the the Millennium Falcon is going at warp speed, or uh, people are fighting a big purple dude. Like it, it makes sense to me that First Man won. Uh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Sound mixing went to Bohemian Rhapsody. Sound editing went to Bohemian Rhapsody. Short film went to Skin. Short film animated went to Bow, which was in front of The Incredibles. Uh, production design went to Black Panther. Best picture, Green Book, uh, music, original song, Shallow, uh, music, original score, went to Black Panther, uh, makeup and hairstyling went to Vice, uh, foreign language film went to Roma, film editing went to Bohemian Rhapsody. What do you think of that? Because that, film editing was one of the ones that the Academy was almost about to make as an award that they gave out during the commercial breaks, as opposed to being mm-hmm. filmed, which... Uh, film editing, cinematography, and one other one, I don't remember what it was. I think it was sound editing. We're, we're going to be that. And obviously, these are the these are categories that make a movie a movie. So mm-hmm. it would have been dumb not to play them during the show, right? I mean, I think so. And, and obviously, they added them back in there, and the show still was fine. So, I mean, I don't understand why you even would well, think about taking the, it the out. The show yeah. still went over. Um yeah, it went over three happen. hours. You know well, I, mean? I but uh, but also I think it was a great idea to not to not have a host because you didn't have the you know some of the shenanigans that usually go on in between stuff. So I mean, all in all, I think I thought the the the, the show itself was good. Um, yeah, it, it did a great job. Uh, t- but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I wouldn't be upset if they got rid of uh, best short subject documentary best. Um, uh, what's something short film animated short film live action like I honestly don't think we need those ones but that's just me well they also do that other like uh, like the technical ones or whatever that they do like the on week a different before night. so I mean like they could yeah you know move some of that into into that category if they're really trying to like cut down you know honestly I, I mean you are you gonna sit there and tell me that the the, the ones that win the technical um Oscars the week before are any less important to a movie than these? So no. So if you move them over, it should be just fine. Yeah. Uh, film any documentary short subject period end of sentence. Uh, documentary feature free solo. Directing Roma costume design Black Panther. Cinematography Roma Alfonso Cuarón. I didn't realize that he had also until he won the award that he was also his own cinematographer on that movie. So that's. Well, <laughs> there's actually some controversy that's coming out around that. Interesting. Too now. All right. Let me hear it. Well, so supposedly uh, there was a, another person and there has been call sheets that have been leaked, which a call sheet is essentially kind of like your um, it's essentially kind of like a day to day itinerary, but it has like all the people listed so that they know like what time they're supposed to show up to the set and like what location they're going to be at for that specific day, whatever, whatever. So there is a person who was listed as the cinematographer throughout, I guess, uh, at least a portion of the shooting um, on the call sheets, but then he didn't get credited during that and i i don't know i guess on imdb he's listed as like a cinematography uh collaborator or something to that effect so there is some speculation that they're trying to figure out what's going on and uh again i don't know anything to be true or not true at this point 
But I guess there are some people that have kind of said that, you know, maybe one of two things happened that he either got paid extra to waive his right to the credits or uh, he or Alfonso went back and reshot like the stuff that he had been the cinematographer for. So he became the cinematographer. I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but there has been some controversy around that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Again, that's kind of... I don't have all the information, don't have all the details yet, but um, I, it, it is int- it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds or if there's even anything there or if people are just jumping to conclusions. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't see, I didn't know about that, and I'm glad that uh, you brought it up. So, uh, going back to the list, uh, animated feature film went to Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, which I hope that you're happy about because I was happy about it. I know we were both had them on oh, yeah. our, we had it on our uh, top five from last year. So yep. that's that was incredible. Actress in a supporting role, uh, Regina King for If Bill Street Could Talk, which I haven't seen yet, and I, I, I'm disappointed that I haven't. Um, I, I, I should check that out. Actress in a leading role, Olivia Coleman, the favorite. We already talked about that. Actor in a supporting role, Marshahala Ali from Green Book, which I, I was completely okay with. Actor in a leading role, uh, Rami Malek, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, and that, yeah, that was everything. Wait, who did supporting actor oh yeah marshall <laughs> i just said it um yeah uh also interesting i mean was there anything that was very upsetting to you uh no I, like i said i really I, I really didn't have a, a a horse in the race so to speak this year like i said i i wasn't there wasn't anything that i was particularly jazzed about and was like oh my god i hope this wins or or any and and i haven't seen a lot of the movies either so that also doesn't help but um yeah i i'm I'm not i can't say i'm surprised by the stuff that did win i think the one that i think most people were shocked about was the um the best actress i know like when they cut to her like she looked completely oh yeah in shock and i think you know her speech was probably the most entertaining of the entire night for me definitely yeah she was great yeah and i i even talked to uh the person i was watching with i i turned uh to her and i was like you know i love olivia coleman i think she's a great actress i've watched a lot of the stuff she's in but she has my favorite line in hot fuzz of the whole movie which i love that whole movie but she has my favorite line and i say it often um there's a part when Simon Pegg's character is speculating on the death of somebody and he's he's saying that it's probably a murder and she turns to him and she goes not everything's a murder and like that's the way that she says it gets me every time and I just the, the line is is just great so uh I and I I explained that to him and they looked at me she uh, my, the person I was watching with just looked at me and was like you're weird and I was like yeah that's true so uh yeah that was that was my little thing but yeah she had i mean i loved it when she was talking she's she's like you know talking to Melissa mccarthy and uh lady gaga and she's like i can't believe i beat glenn close glenn close was obviously amazing in the wife and i was just like oh my goodness this is great so uh yeah man okay is there anything else you wanted to, to get off your chest about the oscars this year before we wrap it up uh nope I like you said. I, th- I think we covered everything uh, quickly, efficiently as as we could, and uh, I, I think that there's um, movies that we're more excited to talk about uh, at the Oscars next year. <laughs> let's hope so, and let's ho- let's hope that you were able to get to watch some more. Uh, yeah, I hope for, I hope for that too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you have an opinion on any of these movies that we talked about, or any of the winners, or the show itself, or how the opinions that we had about these movies, we want to hear from you. You can get a hold of me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia G E M G E M stands for geek elite media. You can also find Richard on Twitter at, at Ry Cohen, R I C O W N. The rest of geek elite media is at geek elite media on Twitter at geek elite media on Instagram and facebook.com forward slash geek elite media is our Facebook page. Check out our website, geekleetmedia.com for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the geek elite media network. Also find Richard on Twitch. Yeah, it's uh, at, well, not at, but <laughs> it's twitch.tv slash R-I-C-O-W-N and the number one, Rykoen1. And what are you playing currently? 
I've been playing some Anthem. It's a new game that's come out. It's kind of like a four-person co-op type of game. It's it's very loot centric um and it's quite a bit of fun oh I have to say. that's interesting i'd love to I, I think we're gonna have to talk about that next week because all i've been hearing from about it is that not good reviews oh well yeah that's uh th- well yeah we'll talk this that's a whole podcast <laughs> of itself, i'm sure yeah we could talk about it next week sweet all right uh until next time then this is the mitch and rich show on the geek elite media network saying always remember to geek out geek out We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. This podcast has been brought to you by Cuts by Candice. Candice Gist is a hairstylist that listens to your needs and will work with you to get the right look for you. With 18 years of experience, Candice is the premier stylist that I trust with my look. And right now, if you mention this ad when you make an appointment from now until the end of February 2019 and give our promo code GEEKOUT, you will get 10% off your hair services. Follow Cuts by Candice on Facebook and Cuts underscore Candice on Instagram and start looking the best you you can.